This episode is brought to you by MGMA Events. Join us June 6th through the 8th for a robust and convenient learning experience featuring education from industry leaders covering a wide variety of challenges facing medical practices today. MGMA Summit is a signature online event that allows you to take control of your journey by attending live or by accessing the sessions at your own pace until July 8th. Go to mgma.com events to learn more and to register today. This episode is brought to you by Dynamedics. Dynamedics empowers healthcare professionals with advanced evidence-based clinical decision support to help improve patient outcomes. You can learn more at dynamedics.com. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Daniel Williams, Senior Editor of MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. Today, we welcome Chris Franklin again uh, to the show. Chris is president of locumtenens.com, and he's here today to talk about recent research developed by Locum Tenens that looked at the future of work, redefining the role of physicians in the gig economy. Chris, it's great to welcome you back to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, before we take a deep dive into that research, I did want to just take one step back and for our listeners, just tell them about locumtenants.com, who the company is, and really what your focus is there right now. Absolutely. So locumtenants.com matches physicians and advanced practitioners with healthcare organizations to address their staffing needs. Um, our flexible staffing model encompasses both traditional on-premise and virtual approaches to mitigating the physician shortage. Uh, we also um, operate the, the industry's largest and most visited job board, which is locumtenens.com, uh, and that connects healthcare organizations with medical professionals to make certain that, uh, you know, obviously patients get access to care. We've been around since uh, 1995. Um, we place uh, clinicians across pretty much every medical specialty and um, deliver care to more than 7 million patients across uh, about 2,700 different uh, healthcare organizations uh, on an annual basis. Wow. Okay. You said something there that I wasn't expecting you to hear. You said you, obviously, you place physicians uh, physically uh, at practices, but also you said virtually. So are these telehealth visits you help uh, facilitate as well? Yeah. So telehealth is a uh, very rapidly growing part of our business. And, and I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit more as we as we talk about uh, employing some some flexible staffing strategies, telehealth being maybe foremost um, in that bucket. Um, to, to kind of uh, align with how clinicians are thinking about uh, the gig economy. So yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more about that. So let's talk about this research then. What was the background behind it? What was your team seeing uh, out there in the marketplace to spark interest in developing the research in the first place? 
Yeah, so so you know every year we conduct uh, a, a set of surveys with our clinicians, which are, are physicians and advanced practitioners, um, those who work in temporary settings as locum tenens, as well as those who are permanently employed. Um, and the goal of the study really um, was to understand clinicians' attitudes um, about the gig economy kind of where they fit, um, as well as understanding kind of how they're reframing their definition of work, because that's something that is um, continuing to evolve. Um, we feel like, you know, hearing directly from our workforce uh, about their feelings on, um, uh, you know, the, the, their, their definition of work, their long-term career goals, um, gives us really a timely picture of how the industry is moving and evolving, which then allows us to equip our clients, so the hospitals and physician groups that we work with, to kind of get ahead of the changing needs of the workforce and to be able to respond um, more proactively. We kind of then take all of that, that learning um, and in addition to kind of sharing that directly with our clients, uh, also try to generate some content in the form of uh, these studies that we publish um, that uh, clients can, can better equip themselves with to really understand what's happening uh, out there in the market. Okay. Now, we use this term, the uh, gig economy, but that may, I mean, I think we've all heard it, but what does it mean? What is a gig economy? Yeah, so so the gig economy essentially, um, you know, captures uh, anyone who works on a on a kind of a freelance basis. And so the immediate place our mind goes is we think about Uber drivers and Lyft right. drivers and freelance graphic designers and and folks like that. But really, the the definition is much more broad. And so. Um, uh, temporary uh, clinicians that are engaged through a staffing company or through a platform or even that a practice may engage with directly, those are all included in, in this definition of the gig economy, which at this point is estimated to be sized at about $1.3 trillion. Um, so it's a, it's a huge part of our, of, of our total economy um, and is, and is believed to be growing at a rate three times faster than kind of the rest of the economy. So it's something that, um, you know, A is a big part and, and B continues to kind of gather, gather steam. Okay. Last question on that part about the gig economy. It's something I meant to ask you the last time I had you on, but it may be case by case uh, basis, but when you're working in that gig economy mode, um, how do you navigate benefits slash healthcare coverage, things of that nature? Yeah, so um, in, in this day and age, many of the clinicians that we work with will go out to one of the exchanges or, um, you know, find benefits that way. We also have some vehicles where um, we can provide opportunities for them to access kind of what looks like a, a, a group, um, you know, health benefit. Um, uh, to be able to kind of leverage some economies of scale there. But as independent contractors, that is one of the trade-offs that oftentimes you're kind of on your own um, to be able to secure, you know, benefits and retirement savings vehicles and things along those lines. Okay. Thanks for explaining that because I had sure. meant to ask you that the last time we had you on. Um, let's get back to the research. So in this research, when I was looking over it, it said that y'all surveyed over 2,500 clinicians and you looked at 
insights on different issues, burnout, scheduling, technology, among many others. In this research, what were some of the points that, that really interested you, piqued your interest, or even surprised you? Yeah, so we so we had nearly um, twenty six hundred respondents um, okay. to to the survey, ranging in age from twenty six to seventy nine, uh, across forty six different medical specialties, um, a blend of of physicians and advanced practitioners, many in full time roles, many in part time roles. So it really is a a, a pretty good swath um, of the market. Um, you know, so so key learnings. One, I mean, I think as as we're all aware of, um, you know, the the healthcare labor shortage is not not going away. Um, the pandemic kind of cast a spotlight on a lot of the challenges, you know, in the in the market. Um, and so uh, many of the the attitudes and key learnings were around um, really trying to. Um, articulate and rise up to kind of meet some of those challenges. And, and you know, from a from a thematic standpoint, I think if there were were one word that I would take away from from what we learned through this study, it's it's flexibility. And so, um, you know, clinicians are people, too. They, they want the same things that we all want relative to um, to flexibility, to be able to control their work environment. Um, which is really kind of a key component of the whole gig economy mindset. So that was that was one key learning. I think the other one is maybe that's a, a little bit more alarming is um, that clinicians are exiting the workforce at younger ages. Um, many um, are, are not practicing medicine during what's considered their peak earning years. You know, they're retiring at early ages. Um, 38% of the clinicians that indicated they were leaving medicine were in their 50s or younger. And so again, that's those are really kind of the peak productivity years, peak earning years. Um, and so when you when you line that up with um, you know, what's what's already kind of a dire situation based on the aging population. So you have um that impacting demand, obviously, in an aging populace, larger consumers of healthcare, that's kind of the good news for those of us who provide healthcare. The bad news is those same demographics are also at play on the supply side of the equation where you've got, you know, uh, four in 10 uh, physicians nearing retirement age in the next 10 years. So, um, you know, but I think people leaving practice earlier was one of the more, um, you know, kind of alarming things uh, that, that we saw or learned through the study. Okay. One of the issues I'm going to guess that is causing this early exit is burnout. Um, I was looking over the research a little bit where you did look at both uh, that traditional um, hospital or, or practice setting for a clinician versus this uh, gig uh, type setup. What did you find out? What are the any similarities or differences in burnout when you compare those two modes of work? Yeah. So I think I think probably not surprisingly, full-time employed physicians um, uh, cited much higher levels of burnout, whereas 71% of um, of contracted clinicians, those who are either contracting directly or maybe doing local tenants work through an agency, 
indicated little to no burnout. Um, if we if we look at um, the kind of the total universe of clinicians um, who are employed, 77% of them indicated some level of burnout, 40% of that of the total indicated moderate burnout, and 17% indicated um, complete or uh, you know significantly burned out. And, and I think what's important there is that um, those are self-reported, right? Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I think we're a bit more evolved relative to mental well-being and mental health. And so maybe the likelihood of self-reporting has increased. But I also think if you looked at, you know, traditionally how burnout would be diagnosed, my guess is those numbers would be a lot higher. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I think was 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 also interesting was that 88% of the survey respondents indicated that um, alleviating or or adding some scheduling flexibility would help diminish the amount of burnout that they feel. So just that one component alone, and it kind of gets back to that that uh, concept of flexibility. Mm -hmm. That 88% said if there was more flexibility around scheduling, that it would alleviate what they were feeling relative to um, to burnout. So, to me, that that is a, a takeaway. I think for for practices, uh, even if they don't they don't utilize um, you know contingent labor at all or or augment their staff, if they can really think about how they can afford or offer some level of scheduling flexibility that might mimic some of these things that clinicians are looking for in the gig economy, it'll go a long way towards um, trying to retain their clinicians. Okay. One of the other things I saw in the research that caught my attention was a phrase physicians are restless. And I saw that and I went, I've got to ask Chris about this. So what is that? Is that relative to age, location, what's going on there that physicians are restless? Yeah, so um, it, it is, uh, it, I don't think it's it's necessarily, um, you know, confined to a specific demographic segment, although I will comment on that in a second, okay. uh, or a specific location. It's that 61% uh, uh, indicated that they would um, likely look for a new position in the next year. Um, and so, you know, if I were recruiting for a practice, I might look at that and say, well, great, there's all this mobility in the market and people changing jobs. That's opportunity for me to, to, to grab those folks. But kind of think about it like the real estate market, you generally don't win on both sides of the equation. So, you may be able to acquire more, but you may lose more through attrition. So, you know, people are, you know, there's there's some some pockets of kind of general dissatisfaction around flexibility, around, you know, uh, relationship with administration, around some other things that are really causing people to to look and see what's out there in the market. Um, you know, we're really kind of seeing it, and, and a lot of this, again, is maybe kind of that that COVID epiphany or pandemic mm -hmm. epiphany that a lot of people had where they said, you know, life is too short to be in a in a position or in an environment that, that doesn't kind of match up with your, your, your professional goals. And so I think, um, 
you know, healthcare workers and, you know, physicians, advanced practitioners are really, really no different, you know. Um, they know their worth in the market. They know they're a scarce resource. Um, and they're really motivated to work someplace um, that, that aligns with their life and career goals. And I think the kind of the, the gig economy mindset allows them to kind of wrestle back control over where, when, and how clinicians practice. Um, one thing that I'll, I'll comment on relative to age is so are, we're not only seeing younger physicians leaving the practice of medicine, but we're also seeing in our locum tenens business that group as a part of our overall demographic grow at a very rapid rate. So if you look at the demographic of uh, clinicians with 10 years of practice experience or less as a, as a percent of the total, that, that group has more than doubled in size in the last three years. And so we're seeing more clinicians who either either right out of training or maybe even you know coming out of their first practice opportunity, deciding that they want to pursue uh, kind of locums as a practice style, and that's kind of what they do. They go where they want, when they want, practice how they want, and when they decide they want another environment, they kind of pick up anchor and and, and move on to the next. Yeah, well, this is making me think because I've we're. Uh... We're talking in late March and March Madness is taking place. And something that's happened in college sports over the last several years is the portal um, where thousands of athletes, football, basketball and other sports are, you know, they may feel that there's another opportunity elsewhere and they just put themselves in the portal. So have you kind of made that analogy with the physicians? Um, kind of no, but I, but I will, I'm going to steal that from you and I'm going to use it because I mean, that, that is a really good, that is a really good analogy. Yeah. So you're welcome to use that. All right. Thank you. <laughs> um, so let's, we have a couple more questions. So Let's talk about this from a process uh, perspective. So what are some practical steps that medical practice or other healthcare organizations can be taking now to help with their own staffing issues? Because we're talking about this where we're not only out there recruiting to get that next uh, physician on board, but you kind of have to keep recruiting and cultivating the physicians you have on staff. So what what's taking place there as well? Yeah. So I'll I'll, I'll highlight a couple of things. I think first and foremost, it's it's just um, maybe adopting a more kind of strategic mindset. And it's exactly what you said. It's not only being more strategic relative to recruitment, but I think leveraging some of these flexible models to really help drive retention. Mm -hmm. um, you know, staffing doesn't need to look like what it's always traditionally looked like, meaning, you know, um, it, it doesn't have to solely be a full-time boots on the ground clinician that's in that role. I think if, if we can kind of start from the outcome that we're looking for, which is providing, you know, tremendous patient care for the patients that we serve, and then working backwards from there and thinking about how we can leverage some of these models, whether that's, um, you know, bringing in part-time clinicians, whether that's a combination of um, utilizing physicians and advanced practitioners, um, which is a really tremendous strategy. 
it, it not only is going to allow you to serve your patient population better, but it's also going to going to afford um, your existing staff, your full time clinicians, you know, additional flexibility. It can help improve morale and ultimately, I think, help improve um, patient care. The second piece of that 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 you touched on initially is um, leveraging telehealth and you know, what, what we're finding is that, um, you know, being open to telehealth solutions, um, it's good for physicians in certain specialties who enjoy the flexibility. They're, they're not, you know, always having to commute. They're not always having to be there in the practice. You can, you can kind of leverage them at a different capacity. Patients like it. They don't have to sit for an hour in your waiting room. Um, and it's really, really good for clients in that um, it generally has higher fill rates, faster fill rates, and typically a lower cost basis um, that can really extend what your um, clinicians are able to do in the practice. Um, and so I think the point of kind of combining, thinking about it more strategically, as well as leveraging telehealth, is it allows you to really kind of craft a, a uh, kind of a customized solution that works for your practice. And a, and a part of what we do is we have uh, a clinical leader on staff who will come in and sit down and kind of walk through the workflow because that's generally where these things, uh, where, where you find kind of a barrier to entry. Um, and so um, that's, that's generally a good opportunity for us to kind of add some value there. Um, you know, leveraging advanced practitioners, I, I touched on as well. Um, you know, they're they're really, I think, the the future. Physicians will never go away, and there are things that that advanced practitioners will never be able to do. But I think just kind of based on the physician shortage becoming a physician crisis, as we go forward, effectively leveraging um, advanced practice providers in your in your um, in your setting is critical to um, to being able to solve for and, and really, um, you know, um, power through, I think what's only going to get worse kind of relative to the, the physician shortage. And then the last piece, one of the things that came out in the study, one of the key drivers of dissatisfaction, um, and, and some of it probably being pandemic driven, was just kind of a lack of trust between administration and clinicians that really took a hit during the during the pandemic. Um, you know, we have a post out about um, how to kind of build this this you know or rebuild this relationship that's available out on our website as a as a free resource. But really, you know, acknowledging, understanding, and engaging in a dialogue with your clinicians about their needs is a huge step towards just rebuilding trust. Um, and surprisingly, that's an area where sometimes communication lacks. And so, um, you know, really like being purposeful in getting, you know, concerns and, and understanding needs kind of out into the open is, uh, is a really good step in the right direction towards rebuilding trust from that perspective. Okay. I want to follow up with you on telehealth because I'm fascinated by what you're talking about. You've already painted the picture where the physicians want more flexibility. And I'm just wondering if this is already in place, but where there may be some other job functions, whatever it might be during some traditional nine to five working hours. And then from a telehealth perspective, where, where we 
talk about where physicians are in pajama time, are they able and accessible to provide telehealth care during those what we call non-traditional hours, those after 5 p.m. type hours? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, 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 um, it, it really runs the gamut relative to solutions that you can build. I mean, one, one that's top of mind is um, a, a large um, uh, group we work with in Arizona that was, was having um, a very high degree of burnout with their primary care um, physicians. And we were able to, to spin up a panel of 15 um, advanced practice um, providers to build um, essentially kind of a bench for them that allowed them to take some of the pressure off of, of their full-time um, uh, physicians in the practice, um, able to, to dramatically um, reduce the amount of burnout that, that those folks were feeling and really allowed them to restore kind of their adult and, and, and geriatric primary care across a really large portion of their uh, of the communities in that state. And so, um, you know, it drew on um, kind of a, a lot of the components of what I described, um, full-time and part-time physicians and APPs and a combination of boots on the ground as well as, um, as telehealth coverage. So there's, there's a multitude of things that, that you can do with it um, to, to really be able to um, think outside the box and put together a customized solution that really meets, um, again, kind of what that end goal is. It might not look like what you envision something, you know, traditionally looking like, but I think that's kind of part of the magic. Okay. As a final thought then, is there anything else you want to share with us on this research or the physician gig economy that we didn't already cover? Yeah. So, um, I don't know, maybe a couple things. So, um, you know, the, the, the big quit, the great resignation, the grand reshuffle, like that's not completely in the rearview mirror. Just in, in December, I think right. over 4 million people changed jobs. Wow. So there's still a lot of mobility um, in the market. Healthcare is, is not, uh, not immune to that. And so um, kind of this, 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 you know, world of mobility and gig economy and things like that, again, it's not, it's not going anywhere. It's estimated that by 2027, 50% of the workforce will engage in some sort of freelance um, work, um, which is a pretty big number. Um, and so I think one, just kind of figuring out how you can embrace that. And, and even if you don't leverage any kind of contingent labor or anything like that in your practice, you know, figuring out how you can mimic some of those things that provide, um, you know, flexibility for your clinicians will go a long way towards, um, towards retention and their happiness. And then I guess the last thing is, you know, there is no one size fits all solution. Our team partners with clients to kind of listen and understand what their needs are. Uh, and they're really good at zeroing in and, and, um, and, and moving, you know, moving the needle in a lot of instances, kind of really helping those clients um, kind of redefine and rethink about how they approach staffing. Um, so if there's anything that, that we can, you know, help with, help talk through, you know, I would, I would encourage people just to reach out and and see if we can help maybe talk through some of those workforce challenges. All right. Well, thank you for that, Chris. Um, and thanks for joining us today um, on the MGMA podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of MGMA's Insights Podcast. Thanks again to Chris Franklin, president of locumtenants.com. 
and thanks for listening to the MGMA Podcast Network. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership.